and welcome to the La 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 Let Me Explain podcast. And this week we are focusing on the theme of LGBTQ plus sex, dating, love, relationships and everything in between. And I have two beautiful, amazing, fantastic guests in no order of preference. Uh, usually I do it in alphabetical order so that nobody feels like I'm prioritising anyone. We have Jamie Windust, who is a model, uh, activist and editor of the Fruitcake magazine, which is a really cool magazine. It's online, isn't it, that you can buy it? Indeed, yes. And it focuses on LGBTQ issues. There's like a beauty issue, a relationships issue. Mm -hmm. Um, You can buy that online. Is it Fruitcake? Fruitcakemagazine.co.uk go for it there we go check it out guys straight in with the plugs yeah why not um and we also have kenny ethan jones who is a model as well i'm sat in a room with two models like i should really i should have like made an effort you know like (laughs) ridiculous um trans activist and period activist for trans men and intersex people who often get left out of the conversation about periods because everybody just always puts the woman prefix onto that and forgets that there are people who don't identify as women who have periods um so you can find them at jamie windust Mm -hmm. on instagram yeah and at kenny ethan jones Mm -hmm. on instagram you're so lucky you both just got your names (laughs) you didn't have to put like you know hyphens or underscores or anything we're lucky we had different names not too long ago probably less than six months ago Mm. So yours, ah, uh, yours is my favourite. We don't talk about it. <laughs> what was yours? My Instagram used to be called Lapid Print Elephant for literally oh. no reason. <laughs> and then people just had no, couldn't understand it, so I changed it to my name. Well, yes, and now they get it. Yeah. So Some branding. <laughs> today, it was interesting because I spoke to Kenny on the phone. How, how I connected with these guys is that I know um, Kenny's sister, Kirsty. I've known her for many years. Shout out to the 90 Shakers. Hey. <laughs> and, um, and then I saw Kenny online because Kenny is now in a relationship with somebody who has quite a significant online presence. Mm. And that's Megan from Body Posy Panda. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I thought you'd be a brilliant person to come on the podcast. And then as I always do, I put it out to my followers to say, this is who's coming. Um, do you have any questions that you would like us to discuss on the podcast? Um, and I got a shit ton of really wild questions that I was just like, I'm not fucking choosing these. <laughs> left them out. Picked this kind of selection of the things that were coming up over and over again thinking that they were fine, sent them over to Jamie and uh, Kenny. And then (laughs) the the response (laughs) I got to the email was an email back from Kenny saying, I think we need to have a chat before the podcast. (laughs) And I shit myself. I was like, oh, my God, either he's got coronavirus or um, (laughs) he's just not into these questions. So, yeah. So then we had a conversation on the phone last night and you said to me that these questions were wildly problematic in many ways. And I was like, shit, okay. So I have got a lot to learn. And I don't want anyone who's sent in these questions to feel embarrassed or like they've done anything wrong. Mm. But I think this is going to be a real learning experience for for people who are not as, as awake or, or educated mm. as to the issues around language and 
you know, all the stuff that people are having to be activists about within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so I have already said uh, to Kenny and Jamie that if I fuck up, they are well allowed to tell me off um, <laughs> teach me and we can move on from that but I, but I hope I don't fuck up so tell me what was did that did that feel really shit then when I sent over the, the topics or uh, no it was just like I looked at the questions and there's nothing I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with them it's just more the way that they're worded so it's the language behind it um, it's just not as clean cut as it could be yeah. but, it, but you that happens when you know you're engaging with an audience that don't necessarily understand um, sectors of our community so yeah I didn't I didn't really see it as offensive it was more just like oh, okay this could just be worded better mm. um, to, to come across good to the cis community as well as like the LGBTQ plus community can you explain what the cis community means okay. so cis essentially means um, you identify as the body that you was born in and right. then trans is anything outside of that so trans is like myself so where I was born genetically female and then transitioned that would yeah that would define that so you are a trans man yeah and a trans woman is somebody who was born biologically male but yeah. has transitioned to or identifies as a woman yes. you you identify as non-binary yeah and i think that's definitely something that people need to have a better understanding of including myself can you yeah. explain what that means to you so it's kind of like um uh an identity that is so it's not cis, so it's it's still a trans identity, but it's kind of in the in the middle in a way. So it's kind of neither male nor female. It's something that you don't identify how you were born, but it, you still don't identify with a binary gender uh, like Kenny does, for example. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't transition into a, uh, a binary gender. I'm just quite happy floating around in this kind of middle region, essentially. Is, is, is that because... Be, so, because I understand that, you know, what has happened over the years is that women are supposed to be this, and this is what it is to be a woman, and this is what it is to be a man. And to be a man, you have to be strong and, you know, never cry and you enjoy football and rugby. Yeah. And to be a woman, you have to be really good at cooking and, you know, not fuck anyone and be really quiet and whatever. And so, you know, society has given us these kind of very boxed-in gender roles. Is the, the non-binary thing more about not feeling like you fit into any of those defined gender roles that society has given? Or is it is it something more than that? Um, I think there's definitely a part of it that when I was growing up, I was like, I don't fit into any of the assigned roles for, say, for example, for like male and female people. I was like, I don't fit into this category of gender role or this one. And I think being non-binary is great because it means you, there are no gender roles to affirm to or there's no like set of societal rules that you have to I mean there aren't anyway for anyone mm. if you think about it but as a non-binary person there are lesser gender roles for you to fit into and you can kind of decide what ones you want to subscribe to um more freely um so yeah that's kind of my is an identity that is very dependent on each person so everyone has it has their own relationship with it and then kind of move through it however they want to mm. that's what i like about it is that it's not just fixed for each person where were you at before because it's a relatively new concept or relatively new concept that has been widely spoken about so when you were a, a kid at secondary school and you maybe didn't have access to the forums and the internet and the communities that we have now where 
I mean, mate, I think I'm probably older than, quite a lot older than both of you. So I definitely, as a teenager, would not have had access to anything like that. Was that the same for you? Was it like suddenly you heard of this and then it was like, shit, this is me? Yeah, I definitely, because I remember thinking that I wasn't cis, but I knew that I didn't want to transition in uh, from one gender to another. Um, and it was kind of as I went to university and around 18, I kind of discovered the language around it. So, like, non-binary identities have existed forever, but I think the language and the accessibility to the information around it in the past, what, five, six years has completely evolved uh, so that we can actually relate to something that's more tangible. So we mm. have we now have different language to describe it so we can relate to it stronger. Um, whereas before... It existed, it's existed for centuries, but the language was different. So it wasn't necessarily something people were fully aware of. Mm. Um, and for you, Kenny, that <coughs> you, you were born knowing that you were a man. Yeah. From what age? I'd say around two. I right. just didn't fit. Like, yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I remember being young and my, <laughs> my sister would laugh about this, but falling down the toilet because I was trying to stand up and pee because, you know, all, that's what all the boys did. And for me, I was one of the boys. So, yeah, I kind of, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't have access to the language or I didn't really understand, but I just knew that that's what, that's what made me feel comfortable. And that aligned with all of the other males that I knew. Outside, and then I just didn't really align with what females were doing at the time. So that was the way of me going, okay, something isn't necessarily right here. Right. And so were you enabled by your family and your peers from a young age to be able to feel safe in exploring that? Yeah, definitely. Like my mum and my sister, number one supporters. Um, my, I remember being in school. Uh, I was in year seven, I was 11 years old. And I came home to my mum and I was like, mum, like, I don't, you know, I don't, I think, you know, I like girls essentially at this point. And she was like, oh, okay, so you're a lesbian. I was like, no, uh, there's something else here. And she goes, what is it? And I said, well, when I look at myself being with a woman, I see myself as a, a man with a woman, not a woman with a woman. And she said, okay, like, let's take you to the doctors and let's like go from there. And, you know, that started 11 years old and it's just been, yeah, so happy that my mum supported me to take yeah. me to that because, yeah, I would have transitioned probably a lot later in life. Yeah. So it was nice to have the support so young. And again, Kizzy was like number one support and my sister was always there same as my mum so right. I was very lucky yeah and some people are, are not so lucky yeah. what so in terms of sexuality I think that's something else that people get confused by so you are a heterosexual male no right <laughs> um okay so I think the, the important thing is to identify that um gender identity and sexuality are two separate concepts yeah um so gender identity would be like my transness um, and then sexuality would come down to who I find attracted, like find myself attracted to. So I would classify myself as pansexual. Right. Pansexual, um, the best way to explain it is that I find myself attracted to all people of all gender, with all genitalia. It doesn't really bother me. I like humans. That's it. If I find mm -hmm. you attractive, that's it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my, that's my so, is, so, so does that mean that bisexual people are excluding trans people? So, uh, see, okay. It's hard. Okay, this is the best way I can put it. So... <laughs> okay being so i the best way to put it is that this I, I know two definitions of bisexual so the first one being which is what most people are, will commonly known is that you either like male or female right um or you like both sorry and then the kind of 
but that should include trans people. And if it doesn't, then your bisexuality is trash, to be honest. But the mm. second kind of understanding that I've come to terms with is that you um, find yourself too attracted to your gender and others, which made way for non-binary identities as well. So right. that's more of a new concept. Um, but yeah, it's so yes. it's very so so. As a non-binary person, would you also not put a so your sexuality is also fluid? Is that or would you not? Because. I guess people want a, a definition on it. They want to put a label on it. They want to be able yeah. to say, so if you're in a relationship, is that a gay relation? Is you know, what, But would, would non-binary extend to being, well, I'm just in a partnership and that doesn't matter whether they're a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a trans yeah. friend or whatever. I think um, I'm kind of similar to Kenny where I wouldn't, no offence, wouldn't go as far to say I'm pansexual, but I identify my sexuality as like queer. Right. So it's kind of predominantly like men, but also non-binary people and then trans people and uh, it's kind trans of, women, trans men. Yeah. Right. So there's yeah, there's fluctuation within it, but I kind of just th- define it as queer because I guess it is essentially pansexuality, but I don't really care for. A label to it. I, the only reason I don't identify as gay is because gay is quite synonymous with being cis. Yeah. Right. Sometimes. So that if you were to say, oh, I'm a gay man. Yeah. I realised a couple of years after I came out as non-binary that actually that doesn't work because I'm not a gay, yeah. a gay man. Um, so I just was like, oh, I'll just go with queer. Sounds about right. Yeah. But is queer, am I allowed to say queer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, but queer used to... Be extremely offensive. Oh, yeah. So if I'd have said queer 10 years ago, I might have lost my job. Yeah. Mm. But so, but that's, is it because it's been reclaimed? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's reclaimed of language. So queer is not necessarily a bad thing now. Queer is kind of like another way to label LGBT plus communities. Yeah. Basically. Okay. What if I called myself a fag hag? <laughs> okay, I think that's a bit fun. Well, that, yeah, yeah. I think it's just clear, like, queer is probably, like, the cleanest, or, like, LGBTQ+. But some people find it hard to say that many letters, and I understand that. So queer is more just... What's the plus? So plus is, like, oh, God, there's so many different things inside of that plus. That's why queer is probably a better suited... Queer just covers yeah. the whole yeah. spectrum. Yeah. yeah. So right. the plus is, like, intersex, yeah, inter- asexual. Yeah. Right. So all of those little things that right. don't really exist in like because before mainstream yeah because before it was just like lgbt and yeah. then q for it's essentially queer and then plus is all the identities and sexualities beyond cis and heterosexual right that's basically what it means i would i hate to tell you how many times i have been sent this fucking ridiculous propaganda on instagram mm. which is trying to suggest that um pedophiles want to want the p to be added to um lgbtq what? oh this there's a big uh section of the internet that believes this to be true and it's not true it's Mm. propaganda created by people who are homophobic and who are against the lgbtq plus community who want us to other them in a way that makes it feel like you guys are criminals Mm. um and to associate that with um pedophilia is so fucked but i have been sent it by so many people who i've actually thought 
you should know better than this. You should be able to see what th- this for what it is. And I think people need to be really um, thoughtful and careful when they're sharing things on the internet because there is f- no association whatsoever. And the LGBTQ community would not accept that mm. in any way as a form of sexuality in the way that you would with asexual people or, mm. or anything else. Um, I think that's wild. Yeah, so wild. It's yeah. fucking wild, yeah. And people believe it. People really believe it. I guess it goes to play into like the stereotypes of, you know, people are still quite homophobic. Yeah. Really and truly, because, you know, there's nothing wrong with being any way queer or gay or a lesbian or bisexual, but it's associated with something that's negative. I, th- I, th- I think the argument, that I, the, the thing that I often see is I'm not homophobic. I'm totally okay with all of this, but it shouldn't be on TV because our kids shouldn't see it. It's it's too much for these kids' heads to take at this young age. And it's like, but why, why do you think their heads can take seeing a man and a woman together? Why is this <laughs> next concept so fucking damaging? Like... Mm. I'd, like kids are gonna see it regardless like it's it's kind of you can't box a kid into what they see so I yeah I think it's silly because these issues affect kids as well although they don't necessarily know it in the same way that I didn't necessarily know that I was trans when I was two but you know those it still exists it's still a part of me yeah and you didn't become trans because you saw R- RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> no. like you, you know it was there yeah, it's intrinsic it's got you can show you know there would be no queer people in existence especially pre you know these times when you never saw any representation of LGBTQ people on, on TV if it was TV that made us <laughs> define our genders or sexuality it's ridiculous and mm. it is not harmful for children in any way to see any form of love to see um, men with makeup or to see people holding hands like I wouldn't want my son to see two people having sex on TV of any gender or sexuality you know what I mean he's eight he doesn't need to see it at this point but but holding hands it's not going to have it makes no difference it's set at birth right this stuff it's just how you're born um and I think it's important, actually, that we have a conversation really about parents. Actually, one of the questions is about parenting. So maybe we'll, we'll save it for there. Let's let's get on to these to the questions that might offend people who are listening, but we'll try our best to, to break it down. So the first one says, I really want to understand the difference between non-binary binary and gender neutral and how to refer to non-binary people in language that isn't genderized. That's your question. <laughs> genderized um it's a difficult question is there a oh what do you mean love that sorry <laughs> sucking a ball i don't really think there is a i think it's just different. about pronouns i don't think there's a difference between the two what's the what's the two ones so it's gender gender neutral and between non-binary what is the difference so non-binary and gender gender neutral gender, is that the same gender neutral is more of like a it's kind of more of a descriptive yeah, I don't term. Think it, yeah, I don't think it associates with an identity. So there no. was a guy mm. that I used to work with mm. and sometimes he came to work, um, I won't say his name, say Paul. Sometimes mm. he came to work as Paul in completely what you'd associate with male clothing um, and sometimes he came to work as Pauline um, in female clothing mm. and this was very confusing for a lot of people um because it was because it wasn't consistent but now okay. maybe i'm thinking that it maybe is that what gender neutral is or 
I think gender neutral is sometimes used as like a can be used like a gender expression. So like if you you can express your gender in quite a neutral manner, almost like androgynous. Ah. Whereas like non-binary is the way that you actually identify. Okay. So with gender, there's everyone has it. There's the identity that you align with, and then the way you express that. So I guess in this instance, you could say. Yeah your identity is non-binary, but you express that identity in a gender-neutral way. Mm-hmm. For example, like, if you look at, like, cis women, yeah. their identity is female. Yeah. And then they can express that traditionally in, like, a hyper-feminine way. Mm-hmm. So it's the exact same for non-binary people. So non-binary people identify as such, and then they express that. Some decide to express that in a neutral way manner right um that's a good way to explain it yeah like yeah. i don't know it's difficult. yeah no I, I i get it one of the things that you have been campaigning for um and which i think we have a long way to go with is the passport because your se- your gender mm. sex is identified on your passport as male or female mm. um and then i think unless so when you've transitioned yeah. Fully. Oh, that passport situation really annoys me. Can, that, really can that, me off. Does that so so people who trans people who have transitioned mm-hmm. are you legally allowed to change yes. your okay? Yes. But non-binary people mm. have to eat to have to have the gender that was assigned at birth yeah. on their passport, mm-hmm. right? And what you would like is an X. Yeah, I mean, it. Well, the court case came out literally this week wasn't it yeah to say that the government have said no oh again. outright yeah they've wow. s- ag- again um and they didn't really give many reasons but it's frustrating because if you look at all the other countries not all the other countries but there are a lot of countries in europe and a lot of states in the u.s that do this and we're actually one of the the biggest countries in the western world that is behind on this issue because um it's not an issue um, they've said that it's too expensive or that it's too small a part of the community to implement such a change. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's meant that I don't have a passport. Lots of people don't can't get passports. And it also means that, for example, if I was to then get a passport, with a, I'd have to get a male one. Mm. And then I were to go and travel, but I presented, I present now. That, that in itself yeah. can present more problems because yeah. people are like, Airport procedure. Who like, would yes. you who would you want shit. to be searched by then? A man, male security or, or female? <laughs> I'm not fussy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, I don't care as long as they're respectful, right? Um, but I know that, like in the US, for example, a lot of um, like the the TSA procedures and like the the kind of airport security there is very intense. And I know a lot of trans people and non-binary people that when they go through those body scanners, it searches you and it puts you into male and female and if your bodily characteristics don't match what they think you look like that's when there's a lot of problems which is mm. why i think like, you know like an x is actually, is actually a, an easier option because it prevents that kind of immediate people putting you into a box and then suddenly if you don't fit into that box they see you as a threat or they see you as um trying to do something wrong or mm. you know all those things um, so yeah, it's a bit shit. It's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, it's not nice. Not good. Yeah. So the way that the la- the best <laughs> language is, so I, I I I think the probably the best answer to this question is ask people mm. is to say how would you like mm. to be referred to. 
Yeah, so they, them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Just say what pronouns do you use? Is that the yeah. right way to, to word that? Yeah, Kenny's very. You're very good at that. Like when we're out. Yeah. You're very good at um, like being an ally for that and kind of telling other people or or even like telling other people to ask mm. or just kind of using it. For example, if we meet someone or if you meet someone that you don't know their pronouns or their gender identity, you just go with they and them what unless if, they tell you otherwise what if like so situations like um my gay best friend is quite camp and so i often do a lot of like girl you know that kind of stuff mm. if i was if we were to be having that kind of conversation and i was to do that kind of like yes you're queen or whatever yeah. is that aver- offensive to somebody who is non-binary um not necessarily. It's completely dependent on the person. It's like we said before about, you know, how colloquially people use the term guys. Mm. Like, I personally don't find that offensive, but there will be people yeah. that do. And they, it's... Case by case. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also, like, where your friendship is at. Do you know yeah. I mean? And how much you know that person. Because mm. you'll know what to use and what not to use. Yeah. So yeah. it's very dependent. Because like, even with you, like, sometimes I'll call you girl. Yeah. But, like, we're very good friends. So yeah. I'm, and I'm, I'm not offended because I know it's just, like, it's just a way of that, a way that Jamie uses language. Yeah. So I don't see it as offensive. I know there's no bad intentions behind that. Yeah. Yeah, it's literally just how Jamie uses language. I guess some people accidentally on purpose use the wrong language yeah. to... Yeah. Shame you. Yeah. But while still pretending to be allies. Yeah. Yeah. That can happen. Yeah. With complete pricks. What about, because I was just going to say cunts, and cunts is such a loaded That's a strong word. word, especially for people. Yeah, I love cunt. Well, not like that. I actually don't. I'm just not into cunt. But um, I, I really, I love the term. And again, I think it's a bit like reclaiming queer. Like, don't tell me that I can't, that I'm a bad feminist if I use the word cunt. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like, it offends so many people. I've lost followers and stuff for using the word cunt, but mm. also had lots of people who were like, yeah, oh, fuck them cunts. They they got the fuck off, you know. Anyway, let's move on to the next question, which says, my gay friend doesn't date bisexual people, but he was offended when I said that I wouldn't want to date a bisexual man. Can we discuss this? God. Go on, Kenny. I think this one is a difficult one because I don't know who sent that question. I don't know what their gender identity is. Yeah, I'm so assuming, is it cis? I'm going to say a cis, cis woman. Cis woman, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with me, when I, when I read this question, it was just like, oh, well, what, that goes to show what the like, stereotype is behind bisexual men um, mm. and how they're perceived. So I don't, yeah, it's, it, it, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to date someone because they're bisexual. Mm. I think for me, it's like, why, why is that? Is it because, you know, that comes into like masculinity, what people think masculinity and femininity looks like. And I think that that attached to that, is the reason to why people be like, oh, I don't want to, as a, as a cis woman would say, I might not want to date a bisexual man because they have sex with men. Mm. And it's that stereotype behind that. Um, that is a real question there. I wonder if it's because people have been so, um, it's, t- it's t- you know, a lot of people are, are oppressed, mm. you know, and, yeah. and, and oppressed and, and are, have over generations not felt comfortable or open to be able to come out and so there's often that like dipping the toe so you'll get a lot of celebrities who come out as bisexual but you know they're gay but they're just doing the bisexual thing because that will appease the sun readers and the mirror readers and whatever 
And I wonder if I guess that um, the assumption is that perhaps they're going to jump shit that, yeah that yeah. maybe actually they're gay but their bisexuality is just a yeah. a step into that and I'm but, not saying that that is what the no. case is I'm just wondering if that's kind of the, the narrative in people's heads I think so because it's like a way to kind of invalidate people's bias. Mm. like you can be attracted to all genders do you know what I mean like I'm very much attracted to all genders mm. so for me it's like I don't I don't necessarily have a favourite neither I just I like people but I think it comes down to if a man is bisexual, it's either A, seen as, oh, well, you know, he's really gay, or B, uh, like, I, what does that mean for his masculinity and I don't want to attach myself mm. to that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very good point as well. And it's interesting that women, it's very accepted and encouraged for women to be bisexual mm. because men, cishet yeah, men, yeah. are turned on by it. Mm. Um, and so there is this real, like, oh, two girls kissing is a wonderful thing, but two men kissing, oh, my God. You End know. Yeah. Um, so I think there's probably, you know, it's so ingrained in us, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, women are bi, but men, mm. bi men are actually really gay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a, very, it's a difficult question to yeah. answer, isn't it? There's no it? clear-cut answer for that. Well, I think, yeah, I, think, I guess the question is more that, you know, it's not seen as um, homophobic if the gay friend rejects bisexual mm. men, but perhaps seen as homophobic if a heterosexual woman rejects but bisexual. But some gay women. men, from my like experience, some gay men don't like bi men neither because it's like they're seen as being in the closet mm. about yeah. being like, their attraction to other men. So there is like stereotypes on both sides. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's it's I don't think it's better or worse to have biphobia from people like it's still the exact same issue whether or not it's from someone within the community or not it's actually yeah. sometimes yeah. worse to have it yeah from gay men because you would expect it, them not to be dickheads mm. um, they know better as well they're they're around the community they know mm. so yeah. it's worse when it comes from you know basically your own home so actually that's quite an interesting thing isn't it for bi people because they're perhaps maybe not i mean the recent thing with jamila Jamil, she mm. got a whole load of shit for for coming out as bisexual. Mm. I think people wondered if it was a manipulative strategy to take the heat off her for some of, of the stuff. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I haven't really explored it. I feel a bit sorry for her actually at the moment mm. with everything that's you know this big witch hunt. Um, but I know that she came out as bisexual to show that she was part of the community yeah. and then got shat on by people from all directions because it felt like a yeah. a, a sort of what's just what bad be, timing do you think you it was me. that yeah like yeah. i just think it's because you know automatically if you being in her position automatically if you know you're bi and you essentially feel like you should be in that space but then nobody else understands that of course you're kind of like well i you know i do identify with part of this community but everybody's attacking you and that's kind of like I can imagine your automatic response is like, well, I am a part of this community, but mm. it was just bad time. And it was more like, I think people are taking it as it's forced. Mm. Um, and that's the issue there because it's come out within, you know, as a way of essentially deflecting some of the bad press around mm. what mm. she had said. But I think there's very much a truth in there that she is by and that it just, she was forced, it was forced out of her mm. in order to, to, to explain why she should be in those spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's also complex, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right. How do you... This is the next question. How do you navigate being out and proud with relationships when living in a ghetto area where hate crime is more likely? 
<laughs> just Why are you laughing? Off. Because when I told Jamie about this question, Jamie was like, "Yep, yeah, you can answer that one." Um, like, not in that way, but no, like, I know, but that's, like, that's more my reality. Are you saying you can't forget yeah. what? Yeah, didn't you go up and kill Ben? Yeah, you talk yeah. about that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. Um, should I answer it? Now? Also, I'm single, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like me. <Sorry. laughs> um, oh, you, do you know what the thing is? I I think that I'm quite. I'm quite lucky in that aspect around um, how I'm perceived in my area because, you know, my mum was very much a part of the community. Mm. Um, she knew all, like, the guys around the area. So me growing up, first of all, essentially coming out as being trans, um, there was a lot of, you know, shit around that. And then when I came out as being, I came out as being bi first, you know, it was like, oh, so now you're interested in guys too. And I was kind of like, yeah. So there was a lot of shit around that. But then whenever I'm with a woman, um, like Megan, for instance, now, it's not seen as anything. It's just kind of like, oh, that's Kenny in a relationship. So, but I think it's also because I have a, I don't know, they, they respect me a lot as a person. And I've always been very honest. Um, and I've always been seen as one of the boys. So it hasn't been an issue. But that's because I'm very masculine. Um, but I don't feel like if I was very masculine presenting that they would perceive me in the same way. And I would have got off as easier mm. um, with things. I think if I was very feminine, that there would be there'd be issues there and I wouldn't be as respected and I'd probably have a lot more issues around my relationship. But because I'm very much like, this is my life, this is who I am, except that will fuck off. Mm. Um, they've been like, cool, this is Kenny. Like, whatever he decides to do is what he decides to do. Do you still live in the same area where you yeah, grew yeah, yeah, up? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I still live there. Um, and yeah, as the years have gone on, I haven't really faced anything, but I know that's a big challenge for m many people. Mm. Um, I think it's more gay men that struggle with that specifically. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I got off on the easier side of things because of like, yeah, my situation, my mom being masculine and presenting and just being the kind of person I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, in your TED talk, Jamie's got a fantastic TED talk, <coughs> which actually will make you cry most likely. <laughs> it's a very good TED talk. Very good TED talk, Sorry. which is about, you know, your your... It needing to be who you are and, and to present yourself and be Jamie. Yeah. Um, but knowing that that came with potentially walking out of college and people being like fucking faggot and yeah. dirty, whatever. Um, and to live your truth is to also risk potentially being murdered mm. because, or, or seriously attacked. Um, and I mean, it's, it's really a heartbreaking reality do you do you find i mean they've, they've spoken about ghetto area i suppose that should be in common because i wouldn't exactly call kilburn the, the ghetto you That's know what i mean area. but there are areas that i guess you know um you're more likely to you know soho is going to be fairly safe for you whereas the middle of tottenham mm. is going to be much less safe for you um or you know some working class place in the middle of blackburn or whatever mm. um you grew up in Dorset, is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, what, uh, and that's, a, you found that to be quite a, I wouldn't say, backwards is the wrong term, isn't it? We can say that. Can yeah. we say backwards? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure they won't mind. <laughs> they won't listen. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, like the, it's difficult because a lot of, a lot of the time I don't necessarily notice differences in geographical spaces as to certain spaces being more unsafe than others mm. and not in like a super sad way but i'm most out most public spaces are very similar i don't ever really feel like i go anywhere and i'm like 
what's a lot worse here um, because for me and other kind of trans people and gender non-conforming people like most public space is, stra- is stressful um, for me also it's not necessarily space it's more kind of situation so like public transport is really difficult mm-hmm. or um, like when Kenny drags me out to a party <laughs> whatever or, club <laughs> yeah we go to like an event like just kind of like mass congregations of people that you can't when you can't decide who's going to be in that room, mm. that's what I find quite difficult is because you then don't know the reaction. Because like we've spoken before, Kenny, about how like you pass very well and you don't necessarily face the same levels of discrimination in public as other trans people. I yeah. don't so, think he, I would have a clue. Yeah. So we should highlight what cis passing means. Yeah. So cis passing is yeah. basically that I... I don't look like I don't look trans, no, so I you don't. know I look my gender. Yeah. Um, whereas that's not always the case for yeah. trans people and non-binary people don't fall into that category because most of the time they look quite gender neutral. Right. Yeah, and there's not like there's not like a standard to, of being non-binary to look yeah. like. There's not one way to look it, so you can't essentially pass as non-binary because there's no. I mean, there's no one way to look anything, no. but mm. non-binary essentially is completely fluid and free so you can look however you want like Kenny could be non-binary you could be non-binary yeah. there's no one way to look it um, yeah I don't really know I just don't I don't yes I don't notice those geographical differences but so you almost never feel safe not so really maybe. no but I mean that's why I bring Kenny with me everywhere <laughs> I'm blatantly like Jamie's security guard like, did, I get did really, you know that yeah no I get really like I, I honestly feel like you're the only person that yeah it's like that. me that's getting like when whenever there's a situation and where Jamie's being harassed on the street like it hurts me like I feel like I'm the person that's being harassed I get really defensive and I have to kind of like mm. step out of myself and go Kenny like calm down because it's just like Jamie doesn't deserve to experience that for just it, being it, themselves is, like, is it always men? Uh, no men and women it's not it's, it's, it's a mixture it's, of people yeah like it's yeah. predominantly men but it's quite a lot of the time it's also just like um, tourists yeah or quite like a like if you get like, like I was on the tube the other day and you get like a group of school people like tourists that have come from not London that like congregate in your tube and there's only just like fifty of them and you're like oh this is awful because they're just like what what the fuck's this mm. um, yeah or just like li- any large group of people is quite most of the time that's when. Mm. And it's also just like the consistent harassment, like especially during Pride um, last year specifically, mm. where Jamie was just literally like people were coming up to Jamie. Can, can I take a photo of you? But not, but but because you're sort of known. But it wasn't well, for you that are purpose. known, not sort of known. You're known. Anyway. You're an icon. So maybe Definitely that's why. Yeah, I mean the the picture thing's difficult. Like I used to get that a lot more. So I used to wear a lot more makeup and be a lot more. Um, so they don't want a picture of you because no, they know who you are. They want a picture of you no, because they, they no think idea. you're like freak show. Wow, look at yeah. this thing I found. Mm-hmm. Oh, like because like nine times at the time when if I'm in Central, it's tourists wanting yeah. like hol- literally like, holiday pictures, which I have no time for. Or it's people on public transport that will do it on the sly, mm. which I've got very good at noticing. And do you say anything? Yeah, I just kind of like embarrass them because they obviously think they're being sneaky yeah. so I'll just like really loudly be like excuse me are you taking a photo and then they'll like shit themselves 
which I find it can be quite funny. Obviously, it's quite stressful, and you have to do that every tube. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's just really shitty behaviour. Yeah. it's like it's really. It's and this is not to be discriminatory to anyone from any other country, but there is a sense that a lot of places are quite a way behind us. Mm. Um, would that limit as well where you felt able to go? Well, you can't go on holiday because your passport <coughs> won't reflect yeah. who you are. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I a, guess it's not. And it, but do you think that that, is, that must be a factor then for a lot of people that they actually can't even travel to certain places mm. because of dangers and? Well, there's like instances I've spoken to Kenny about before where like I've been asked to shoot a job in a certain country. So like most of the time it's um, like Europe or South America that I'll kind of get offered work, and I'll be like, the first thing me and my agency do is we like see if it's safe mm. because the, usually the people that ask you to go there aren't thinking about that mm. whereas obviously for us it's like our first thought is is this a safe country to go to and like 99% of the time it's a no yeah so that's why I say that's interesting no. my someone I know very well uh, tours with years and years um yeah, and there's often I, there was some assumptions about Russia but apparently mm. Russia is like actually really quite safe for LGBTQ people I which I, I thought that was I, I, when they said that they were going to Russia I was like is yeah that, is that going to be it's safe? a difficult one in Russia yeah. like Poland at the moment is really bad because mm. they've got their like have you seen mm-hmm. so they've got like the government have started um, declaring certain areas of Poland as like LGBT free so oh, wow. they'll be like if you are LGBT, essentially, you can't live there because they've declared the area as free of Fucking the community. Of queerness. Yeah, so there's lots of tension and protest there at the moment. So, yeah. It's difficult. Do you think that things have changed since Brexit? Have you felt any. Because racism has, has definitely <laughs> increased. Do, do you think. I think the racism has definitely come because of this coronavirus. Oh, fuck you yeah. yeah, But I think we, people were already bolstered by Brexit. Yeah. Um, um, I think Brexit, for me, I'm not really into politics like that, but I think the one thing that was clear was just, like, economically, financially, how is that going to affect, like, trans people specifically? Because we are already probably one of the least earning groups of people. Mm. So it was like, how is that going to affect our work? Um, that was more of my issue with, like, Brexit, mm. outside of all the other obvious issues, but specifically trans-related. Mm. So it's a transgender pay gap as well? Yeah. Mm. And like trans women of colour specifically yeah. are often forced into sex work because they face so much discrimination in places of employment that it's that's their only option. Mm. Um, and then I'm not sure how it works, but I'm, I'm sure that there is, in terms of like if you were trying to be in receipt of benefits because of like the identification parts of things, I'm sure that there'll be issues there as well mm. where they can't be in receipt of benefits, especially if they're not necessarily like they've come from another country to come here to be safe, to and transition, yeah. but then they're not here, so they're not from here, so they might not be able to claim benefits. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm sure that there are many other issues inside of that as mm. well. So I guess the answer to this question really is, how do you navigate being out and proud with relationships when living in a ghetto area where hate crime is more likely? Is the answer just don't hold hands, don't be out and proud. I find that of, a really depressing answer. You kind of just have to fuck it. Like, if I... Yeah. Fuck it and risk it, or... Like, obviously, be, be yeah, safe. Be and yeah. Like, yeah. Calculate have, risk, I think, is yeah. the important thing here. Like, knowing... You know, I think that all of us, like, any any human being, has to, like, sometimes hide parts of themselves um, 
in, in, in some ways just to be safer. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, that in, if you are um, a part of the queer community and, you know, it's, it's easier for you, it's sad, but it's easier for you to not hold hands with your partner because you will face less discrimination, mm. then if that's, the, that's a personal choice. Yeah. But essentially, like, you need to take that into consideration in how you publicly display your relationship. And it's not even just, like, it's in, in social media as well because people will pick that up and then they'll see you walking down the street and, do you know what I mean? So mm. it's just, like, think about it before, before, you, before you dive into that. Yeah. It's really sad, isn't it? Because what you're saying is there is this trans gender pay gap as well which would then maybe force you to live in a poorer area where mm. hate crime is more likely so then there's this vicious circle of mm. you know right. you're maybe you're forced right. to live in an area where you are actually going to be less accepted yeah, and just um, more at risk and more at risk yeah. yeah i mean i guess as allies what we could do is always make sure that we call it out when we see it 100%. um protect people make sure that they and i guess even protect them by giving to smiling at somebody yeah. when they walk past so that they know that that you know there is somebody on this road who's not staring at them or thinking funny things about them but also i think the best thing we can do is educate people around us and our children raise our children so. to not be homophobic little cunts basically <laughs> no literally does that's the best advice yeah literally. yeah 100%. so so if you do have a homophobic child, just FYI, I'm not calling your actual child a cunt, <laughs> but when they turn 18, that's what they'll be. Um, uh, right. You didn't like this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, yeah, because when then we need to understand why you didn't like this question okay, and for people on. to know that they shouldn't be asking it in future. Is it harder for someone who's had gender reassignment surgery to orgasm? Okay. So this is a loaded question, really and truly. Um, so I would say the answer is yes, I think it is because, okay, so, all right, I can't, I'm going to talk from a trans man's perspective because I can't talk from a trans woman's perspective because yeah. that's not my surgery. Um, but what happens is depending, you'll have a donor site, um, which is usually your thigh, which is the main one, but, or you, you sorry, no, your forearm is the, the first point of call of which you would have um, your donated skin from. Otherwise, you'll use your thigh. But they have a certain amount of nerves in them. So if they die during surgery, then you can end up with having no sensation. That's a worst case scenario, by the way. But so I think in your forearm, there's three nerves. And I think in your thigh, there's either two or one. So if they die during surgery, then you'll lose sensation. So essentially, yes, you can. You will lose sensation for the most part. And like, I think about, when I think about, I think about, when my top surgery, so I had top surgery, oh God, five years ago now. And there's still parts of my scarring, which is very, like, I can't feel it. It's numb. Mm. Like, I know it's there, but I, it's, it's numb. Is, uh, can I ask, am yeah. I, I, can I ask yeah. you, do you have sensitivity in your nipples? It's a really weird one. So like my yeah. nipples get harder when I'm at the gym. Oh. I don't know why. Um, yeah. And sometimes during full I know play, why but, mine <laughs> do at the gym. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, they just kind of go on and off. It's right. really weird. There's no, there's no, I don't know. They have a mind of their own. Is the best way to describe so it. So I'm not asking you this personally, but yeah. my assumption was that they would maybe. What do they do with the clit? Can they can they make that into part of the penis? Yeah, so that's basically how it works. Oh, so the clit still stays there yeah. and can still be a sensitive, yeah, yeah. So it's orgasm just, producing thing. Yeah, so it's still like right. they just. They basically take the donated skin yeah. and wrap that around your clitoris right. and 
fill in the parts of like the the tube that so you can pee um and then they i'm not i'm not a doctor so i don't know the like actual terms but essentially just attach it all to what you already have right so you like it just builds on what you currently have can you ask for how big you want it to be (laughs) technically yeah but you know the doctors will say this is what you should realistically have right um and then you know depending because i can't remember the wording for it but there's so that the part that oh my god this is so, i haven't spoken about surgery in so long so i don't even know what it's called but there's a like the tube that goes through so you can pee that can only extend for so long mm-hmm. so that kind of has to be the length of which your penis would be because right. you can't extend it beyond that because you'll pee inside of yourself yeah, yeah so there are like limitations to what you can have done have surgically but for the most part it's quite you know add on as you wish mm-hmm. which is good yeah and then you know the, the they make ball bags and all of that so yeah some trans men tend to get tattoos on their penises because it hides the scarring which i think is really cool i see one which was like an elephant i loved it that must um, be fucking painful well th- this is i've always thought that you should just get the tattoo on your um site on the, yeah. the, the donation site first and then when it's done it's already there it's oh perfect. yeah that's, that's a good idea <laughs> yeah so yeah. if any trans men i haven't bought them surgery today because there's some advice <laughs> But this is a question that is upsetting, I guess, to some people because they, I know that for a lot of trans people, in fact, I saw a YouTube video I've used with someone, Lily. Yeah, Lily Meng, yeah, yeah. Who said that one of the, you know, the questions that trans people often get, I guess, more from friends and stuff mm. is like, well, what kind You'd of sex surprised. do you have? And it's do, more from strangers. Strangers actually ask these questions. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm a stranger essentially, <laughs> but you have, it's though, you, you know, yeah, we've got context here, yeah. like, but like really like at parties and stuff like yeah, that people, people would just be like what's your dick like so the issue is and this is this is probably something we should talk about around the the conversation of trans bodies and mm. people feeling like it's public knowledge that like you are entitled to know yeah. what we have and i think that you don't deserve to know unless you are in a situation which affects you mm. and do you know what i mean so if you're gonna have sex with somebody that's trans okay cool that's a conversation that needs to be had but until then it's none of your goddamn business like um yeah that's pretty much it yeah it makes (laughs) a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense Um, yeah yeah. i guess i understand the curiosity because i'm curious too and i I, you know i want i'm interested i I want to know and and i think like i was saying to you earlier maybe i didn't pick up on how the question was offensive because i'm now desensitized to you know Mm. people are just like I just hear fucking sexual questions all day long. And I, you know, and people will often say, oh, what's sex like after a C-section or sex life, or, uh, sex like after a baby or whatever, you know? Mm. Um, and, and I don't necessarily, don't necessarily think people are being offensive when they ask those mm. questions. It's genuinely cu- a curiosity. Yeah. It's, it's good. But I think that the issue with, with people asking trans people about what body parts they have is because they use it as a way to invalidate their transness. Yeah. That's yeah. the issue. So it's like, oh, well, if you're a man and you don't have a penis, then you're not a man. That's the issue. It's not like people are asking out of general curiosity for the most part. It's because they're like, hmm, how much of a man or a yeah. woman are you? That's the issue that I have. And that's why, and I've, I put it out on my Instagram that I, I don't necessarily declare what body parts I have mm. unless it's necessary because it serves a purpose. And if it doesn't, then you don't need to know. Yeah. That so, makes sense. But I get a lot of, obviously, like, questions around it because of, like, my activism, like, around periods. Yeah. Um, so, re- regardless, I'm not going to discuss what body parts I have. Um, but I think that a lot of 
I can, a lot of my period work is me talking about my previous experience um, earlier on in my transition around periods. So that's a really fucked up thing, isn't mm. it? That you, we spoke about this a little bit a, a, a moment ago that you have chosen, you've chosen not to have a hysterectomy because yeah. you want to have that option in future to be able to use your eggs to have babies. Yeah. Um, and that means that you've had to commit to continuing to have periods. Yes. Um, I'm not going to ask how that necessarily works, but that must be a, can you? Yeah, we can talk about it. So, okay. I guess I might as well just like open up and be honest about this because it's quite difficult. Only if you're comfortable. No, no, it's cool. It's just quite difficult to explain without. So yeah, okay. I haven't had bottom surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, And what has happened, this is, it's quite an unusual case. It's not, it's not what happens to all trans men, but basically, so growing up, I had like a regular period, quite a normal bleed, no issues there. Um, I started on hormone blockers, which is basically like the pause button to your puberty. Um, it's not, it doesn't push you into, you know, tes- testosterone is the one that actually changes. And that's like the facial hair, the, the deeper voice, all those masculine features, essentially. Um, so I went on hormone blockers and it, it completely stopped my periods. I had no problems. It was great. Went on testos- uh, testosterone and I had slight bleeding when I first started, but it was fine. It was nothing. It wasn't a big deal. And then around my fifth year on testosterone, um, I started to have issues. So like lots of breakthrough bleeding, um, lots of pain in ran- like random times, but like excruciating pains. So I had bad periods before. So I used to pass out mm. um, consistently whenever my time of the month came. And it, yeah, that stopped. But then when I went on, I approached my fifth year on testosterone, I started to have real problems. Um, and it's been... A continuation since then of um like I, I classify it as like internal periods is what i like to call it because sometimes it's not even that i'm bleeding it's just that the pain is so excruciating um and it's definitely like it's definitely a period pain and that's because i think because the crossover of me taking the testosterone is late so if i'm like a week late for my shot then it's like that period of time, estrogen, like my body's trying to kick start itself back mm. up. And that's when I start to get those pains. Um, so I've tried to beat that and take my testosterone early so that I can avoid them. But still, I still have like some issues about it. And that's why I talk about it a lot. And it's just like the kind of conversation was, again, it was, it was cis-centric. There was no mm. trans men, non-binary intersex people that was involved in the conversation around periods. And it got to a point where I was like, why Like, why are we not? Like, there's no products out there. I hated buying period pads. Fuck that shit. Like, I used to ask my mum or my sister, I'd order online because I just felt ashamed yeah. of buying it. And everything was quite girly and feminine at that point as well. Mm. Um, and all the language around periods was she, she, she. And that just didn't align with who I was. So I literally tried to avoid that. But, you know, as time went on and I had problems, I was like, I can't really avoid it anymore. And then I happened to do a campaign two years ago which I made history by front in a period campaign. And that's kind of like projected me to where I am today, discussing it more. But mm. the more I do it, the more I'm like, shit, like this is like, it's when I have conversations with people, they're just like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like that, it, and it's, that's what it is. It's about that acknowledgement. Yeah. It's not necessarily like anything else. It's just like knowing that that's a part of our lived experience and that brand should cater for that also. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I think about the younger Kenny and what he would have wanted. Yeah. And that's for me, it's like products that, you know, weren't as feminine and I just, they were just like quite neutral um, and language that 
yeah. included me. Well, because you don't need to say these are for women because, <laughs> you know, women are going to go out and buy them. You know, yeah. I mean, you don't have to be advertised mm. to. It's just which product you choose is dependent normally more on price than, I guess, what packaging looks like. But nobody needs to actually say these are for women. <laughs> I know, but I these guess it's just, These are for yeah. people who have periods. We're just in a different day and age. And yeah. Pardon me. I think we're just like adapting to that. Yeah. Um, but the times have definitely changed. There's There's a lot more inclusivity yeah. around different identities that bleed which is which is yeah it's a good thing to see in the last two years i've seen a big change yeah so that's good. that's really important well done that Thank is you. massive really yeah. really good so when i look back on it i'm like shit yeah i did you know i did that that's it's, legendary it's nice. and nice. you know that's like you you will leave a legacy for you know yeah. hundreds of years to come for Hopefully. so many people and that's massive can i ask a sexual question about non-binary people go on <laughs> Because obviously, you're not intending to ever change your physical body. Mm. Is that right? You're comfortable with having a penis, or not you necessarily, but non-binary people, are they, they identify as having like penis sex? So... I didn't ask that very well, but do you understand what (laughs) I mean? No, yeah, I do. Yeah. I think with with non-binary people, like, you can still have, um, like, gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are a lot of trans people that uh, transition in a binary sense, so they can happily go through a traditional transition, Mm -hmm. but then still identify as non-binary. So you can still have kind of those body issues and body dysmorphia and want to change your body, but still feel non-binary. Right. So, like, that... I think for me, the non-binary part of my body is that n- no part of my body is gendered. Mm-hmm. It's just my body. Yeah. And that's the same for however your body is at any point in time. It's not a gendered body. It's just a, a body. body. Yeah. So if it's got bits that might be traditionally seen as gendered, uh, for me, I don't see it that way. I just see it as a, mm. a bod. Yeah. A bod. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's, I guess the questions for me are different. Like often I get asked like what I have in a different way to, I guess maybe that you would get asked because people, people, like, it's like you said about invalidating Like people often ask non-binary people about what genitalia they have for the sole reason to invalidate. So that they can say actually a man yeah like, yeah okay yeah yeah um, people are to such it pricks to. aren't they yeah it's weird yeah it's weird it is weird i wonder where the discomfort comes from and that it feels like i guess maybe a threat to them in some way or i think it's just like especially with men like men are socialized to know everything or to want to know everything yeah so if they don't know something that most men feel entitled enough to ask and then to know the information because that's how they were raised and socialized they just if they want something they get it and mm-hmm. if they don't know something they ask and then they find out um so that's why i kind of that's my process of thinking about why a lot often a lot of the time men will ask those intrusive questions because they don't know something and then they are a man and they're a dick so they yeah. want to know something <laughs> they want to know yeah um and yeah i think people when people are confused they just for some reason have no filter and just ask the yeah. most stupid question. <laughs> it's such a. I think it's because gender and sexuality and sex have been so. I, I think so many people associate 
anybody in LGBTQ with so with, with being sort of almost highly sexed in a way. Yeah. Mm. Um, because of the, the the picture that the media has painted and whatever. So mm. rather than just going, I'm uh, you know I can see a cis man or woman and my first thought is nothing to do with what their sex lives are. Mm. Although some people it might be, but you know, <laughs> but, but whereas much more with, with LGBTQ people, it's mm. like, you're actually thinking about how do they have sex? What's yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, um, I think as well, like for like biology, like loads of people, that's their principle of life. Like mm. that's how they know who they are. That's like, that's how they identify as a human. And so taking that away from them, they're like, what? Like yeah. what does what does life mean? Like, yeah. What's the answer here? And I think people struggle to understand that, you know, we mm. are we are lying ourselves. Our our viewpoint is different, um, and we're okay with that. Yeah. And I think that people really, especially I, what I get a lot of the time is because of the period like activism is about biology, and then it's like, but then it comes down to you could invalidate cis women by you know if they've had cancer and they've had certain body parts removed. It's mm. like oh, does that make them less of a woman for not having a womb? Yeah. So, I mean, so it opens the door to a wider conversation. But yeah, I think that people just focus too much on biology and that they don't like, if, they, if, you, if biology doesn't make sense to them and how you identify, it's like, I don't get this. This Cause, isn't cause right. We've spoken in biological terms at some points throughout this podcast. And I guess that maybe some people from your community might feel like offended I'll by that shit. because <laughs> <laughs> I'll back you, mate. You if much. anyone Thank comes you. for you, I'm here. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'll. The reason to why I'm focusing so much on biology is because I feel like with the cis community, it's yeah. easier for them to understand things in terms of biology. Yeah. Um, but essentially, biology just stands for cis. Yeah. Um, and if you are talking to a queer person, the word in this probably to you should use cis. Yeah. Rather than biologically yeah, female yeah, or whatever. Do yeah. not focus on that. It's a wrong no. way to approach it. But I think it. it's it's good that you've used that language, I guess, because my audience are going to be much more likely yeah. to be. They'll understand women. it. Yeah, yeah, they'll understand it. Because I feel like if I just sit there and say cis all the time and it's not something they're used to hearing, yeah. it's this automatic um, feeling of, oh, well, I need to wrap my head around this first to understand the conversation. Wherever mm. If I say biology, you're going to go, oh, well, I know this. Like, yeah. I, they, you, you grew up in school understanding it as that. So you yeah. understand it through that lens. Yeah. Um, but essentially it's the same thing. It's just a nicer way and it's better language for people in the queer community to yeah. refer to things as cis. Yeah, I get you. Next question says... Why do LGBTQ plus relationships move so much faster than cis het relationships? Mm-hmm. I definitely have an answer for this. Do you have one? I get well, no. As, no. as the single person, I will wait. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll give my take. But as how the, long have you been single? Twenty-two years. Oh, <laughs> behave! How old are you? Twenty-two. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Just been checking. In a relationship. Just checking. You didn't look really good for fifty. <laughs> um, is that by choice or doesn't sound like it actually? <laughs> well, no, because well, uh, I'm taking. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> joking. No, do you know what? Me and Jamie, I tried to. But how we met is because I tried to take Jamie on a date. So, oh, really? Yeah, that's the real tea. <gasps> but you rejected Kenny. Yeah, Basically. Oh no! <laughs> no! 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 Nah, just realised we worked better as friends. Mm. Really? Yeah. That happens sometimes, yeah. doesn't it? And then we've been friends ever since. So. Yeah. What did you meet on a dating site or something? Nah, Jamie was like fangirling me. On Instagram. <laughs> really? That is very true, yes. That's so cute. I love how you're just like, yeah. I was in the DMs. Yeah. I have nothing to hide. <laughs> how long have you known each other? Literally a year now. Just a year. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. you were like, 
like old school best friends like no, like we've known friends. of each other for quite a while but yeah like actually, proper friends yeah, communicated and spent time with each other mm. yeah. insta is really amazing for that actually i don't know how to i fucking hate twitter i think twitter is like an evil cesspit but i find insta like a really nice safe place full of really lovely people i've met people i've met friends on insta people who are really like you know yeah. i think we'll be around for life mm-hmm. you know so it's instagram's definitely a nice way to meet people i think as well like twitter is basically like a politician's playground um so nah i find that things get really angry on um twitter in a different way and i feel like you're almost kind of exposed to like real like maga nra gun toting <laughs> types whereas yeah, yeah. insta doesn't feel like it's been yeah like taken over it, yeah. by those people yeah i mean there is i mean i had a horrible experience a few days ago where i wrote this post about um deception being a form of assault so um talking about how you know to deceive someone is to remove their ability to give consent Mm. um and if you've consented to one thing which is um you know an example i used was that perhaps if you thought that this person was called danny and they were 31 and they were a lawyer with no kids but you later found out that they were called gary and they had 25 children and they lived in a skit behind KFC. You know, that is a huge deception. And and I know that is a kind of comical way of putting it. But, you know, when you have sex with someone, you are giving so much of yourself to them and potentially opening yourself up to STIs or pregnancy or whatever. Mm. Um, And you have to know what you are consenting to. And if there's been massive lies on the way, then deception is a form of assault. Whatever you're lying about, whether you're lying about being on contraception or your STI status or whatever and um and people instantly assume that whatever I'm talking I, I use ca- in my on my page my captions you have to read them because my memes mm. are always things that I found on the internet that I don't necessarily agree with mm. and then the captions will be what I write yeah. underneath but this one said can we talk about how the fact that you know men who lie to women um to get them into bed is a form of sexual assault mm are you ready to have this conversation? And then in my captions, I try to to use language like them and they so that people know that whoever's accessing it, whoever you date, this is for you. But because the, the bit at the top had the words girls in it, I just got attacked so badly by um, so many misogynistic men who were just so angry with this. Oh, what? So men should go to prison. Women should go to prison if they wear makeup. You know, there was just, it was the first time. That was conversation. Fuck, it's not the fucking same. (laughs) It's not what I'm talking about. I didn't say anyone should go to prison for lying. I'm just saying. Um, It can never win them all. It was the first time I've been really badly attacked by men on Insta for a long time it's happened before but it just made me feel so suddenly really unsafe in what felt like it was supposed to be this safe space Mm. and I guess you must feel that kind of extra because I mean you know I think women misogyny is leveled at us continuously on social media but then there is I think it's so much worse because it's it's not just I mean there's pick me girls as well but you've got men and women who are transphobic homophobic like does it feel like you know we spoke a bit about the kind of feeling of being out on the streets but does social media feel like a safe space most of the time for you Mm, I think it did and that's initially why I started using it properly is because it was an escape from that real life kind of pressure of and prejudice of what happening in 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 the day to day um, but now I think because me and Kenny both have some level of platform, mm. it almost invites people to give their unsolicited opinions yes. even more. Yeah. So 
I'd say for me, it's like a 50-50 of people from within the community saying nonsense. Oh, yeah. And people from outside saying nonsense. And it's purely because you they see us as almost like an untouchable. Yeah. In a way. Or what someone described to me the other day is like, they don't understand that we're actually just regular Humans. people. Yeah. yeah. And they see... They see us online and they see, you know, the following and whatever. Mm. And they immediately kind of catapult you up to, like, Kylie Jenner-style levels of, like, untouchable. When actually, we're still at the stages where we see every message. We see every comment. You know, we see most of the likes. Like, we still have a very firm grasp of who we see on our platform. Mm. Um, And I think they often think that we don't see it or or we actually do. You also become an object. Yeah. Like... You know, that kind of, I think the surreal feeling of when I would say like a level up had happened was when I was seeing people like tagging other people, talk like having discussions about me in my mm. comments. Mm. It's like, what? Like, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's then taking, you know, the, the, the personal out of it. And it just became, yeah, I'm this object. I'm this person in which, you know, people Yeah, I get that here. sometimes too. Like there's somebody who's saying in the comments, like what a load of shit she's chatting. And I think like, I'm, this is my comments. Yeah. I'm reading this right now. Yeah. Like It's coming through to me. Really <laughs> this is like, my page. If you think my work is shit, I, that is fine. Like, what's up your mate? Like, have you seen this piece of shit that she's written? But what, yeah. what is this need to... And you're right, it comes from... So I get shit from, from um, men obviously um but i also get shit from women who constantly want to tell me that i'm not doing good enough like i'm trying to do well all the time but if i make one fuck up with um language or if i'm not inclusive to to women who maybe suffer with thrush continue you know if i like i will have people pick up on things so small Mm. like i'll write about sex or whatever and they'll be well you have not included women who only enjoy putting fucking hamsters up their vaginas you know, you know it's, it's, it's as small as that and it's like and people don't even say it in a nice way like if they were to come and go you know what I have this problem whatever and I feel yeah. like that I would love you to know what it's like so that when you are writing these posts perhaps you can maybe include people in the future I, that, I'll be fine with that but mm. it's when it's this whole you need to educate yourself and and it's like ah you're just yeah, yeah. coming at me exactly. That's I feel like that's the only kind of messages that people should be sending ones that are like nice positive and kind yeah. like I, I really yeah. like I, I, I tell you what else I hate yeah. is when they go I usually like everything you say but but this one is too this far. This one is, no, I disagree with this. <laughs> oh, go off, fuck off, Karen. Like, <laughs> I disagree in private. People like, nitpick mm. and you can never win them all. No, exactly. doesn't work like that. Sorry, we went off topic there. Yeah. Um, why do LGBTQ plus relationships move so much faster than cishet relationships? I think from experiences and what I've seen, I would say that it's because we feel like we have to make up for... We have to make up, uh, what's, okay, hold on, what's the best way to put this? We have a lot more to make up for within our relationships to make them see that they are the same as cis heterosexual relationships. So it's like, you know, I remember when I was younger, um, and when I was solely into, into women at this point, I was like, right, I need, to, I need to have a house, I need to get married, I need to have kids, I need to settle down, because I felt like that would validate my transness and my heterosexual mm. relationship with my partner. Um, and I feel like, especially I've, I've 
a lot of lesbians I know actually talk to me about this and they say that, yeah, it's kind of like, because it's not seen as, you know, is it real sex that lesbians are having sex? Of course it's fucking real sex. What do you mean? Like, not every sex needs to be oh, vi- the vaginal. the of the penis, penis yeah, and vagina. Like, yeah, that does everyone silly. a disservice. Um, and I feel like, yeah, we have to make up so much more to validate our relationships and for them to be seen as as actual relationships. Mm. So it's like, oh, we try to go through the process faster because we just want to be normal. Yeah. And it's sad, but I feel like that's the reality of the situation. I've seen it with many lesbians that I know, actually. The, yeah. the relationships move, like, you know, they'll go on one day and that's mm. it. They're literally inseparable and mm. they are in a relationship and they are shagging usually from the first night. That's actually one of the other questions, which is that <laughs> do you find that issues such as not sleeping together on the first date mm. don't arise in LGBTQ relationships because misogyny isn't involved? So I wonder mm. if that's also... Because there's this whole narrative, isn't there, for women, cis women mm. which is like don't put out until this time yeah, because yeah. he won't respect you and um i don't subscribe to that i think if a man's not going to respect you for sleeping to, with him on the first night he's a, a dickhead anyway mm. but i think there is actually something to be said for not having sex on the first night if it's going to upset you if that person's not going to call you the next day mm. it's not necessarily a manipulative tactic to stop them not leaving by waiting but also i think some of us it is difficult to handle if you've had sex with somebody and then it doesn't progress in the way that you wanted to yeah. if you have had sex with them you can feel like fuck why did i do that i you know yeah. i wish i hadn't and so i do kind of recommend waiting if a relationship is what you want but I do think there is some misogyny probably still left with inside me yeah. where that comes from. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And so I'm wondering if, you know, I found this question very interesting because I was mm. wondering if perhaps, you know, mm. gay men will just sleep with each other because no one's going to be going, well, you're a slut the next day. I, I think it's hard. Um, but I, I would say that I feel like a lot of, in terms of casual sex in like the queer community, I think a lot of it comes from, a lot of the ways that in which we meet is in, in the environment of alcohol. Mm. And that's a big influence on one night stands, if you, if you ask me. So I think that it just comes down to the fact that, yeah, it's, 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 it's seen as quite normal mm. within the queer community to sleep with people on the first like date or first time you meet him with them. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, we've been socialized that way. I don't know where it stemmed from, if I'm honest, but it's always, it's always kind of been that way since I've, I've witnessed it and I've been yeah. around and gone to clubs and things like that. So I don't really know any, any different, mm. but I think it's a weird one. Cause I like often a lot of, a lot of the ways in which queer relationships move so fast and move through the stages very quickly is because there's sometimes a shared trauma. Yes. And it's often yes. some, that's easy to kind of, look past and think it's just you're getting on really well but actually you just both have a history or like a shared yeah because you have the same Mm. kind of experience and you just feel so much connected to that person I guess in the same way of which you know you meet somebody and you have the same experience with them and you can relate to that experience queerness kind of have this we, we, we kind of get each other because yeah exactly what you're saying shared trauma yeah and it doesn't necessarily mean you're actually going to get on like the one kind of mini relationship that I had we I think it was very much that. Like, we thought we got on really well, but actually we both just had the same problems that we both weren't addressing. We both we both could kind of find solace in each other. But building a relationship on shared trauma or issues that you need to actually go and get sorted out is not a healthy way mm. to build a relationship. And I think often sex falls into that as well, because often yeah. we just... 
end up having sex with people because we're bored or because it's a distraction or because a way to validate yeah, ourselves as attractive that's a big thing with trans that was a big thing for me yeah 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 so I think it's difficult to pinpoint the one reason why we would have sex quite a lot I think it's also there's part of it that's shame isn't it sometimes people have have a lot of sex because they feel ashamed of what they're doing so they just kind of give in to that self-fulfilling mm. prophecy of like oh I've been told that I'm shameful and I'm awful I'm just gonna like feed into that and be like dirty and, yeah. and have a lot of sex but sometimes people just want to have sex exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> sometimes you just want to get out there exactly <laughs> nothing wrong with that yeah need, <laughs> mm. um so the other dreaded question do you think it's essential to disclose that you are trans to people who you are dating I'm interested to hear your response. Are you? you look stressed. I'm not. Sh- I'm, I was I like, I went to the bathroom. I was like, okay, let me think about this properly. Because there's no. It's a loaded question because I feel like I see it from two perspectives. I see it from myself as a trans man, and I see it as the person in which I'm dating. Um, so the first thing is, I think it's about when you're comfortable, um, but that should be before any form of like sexual activities. Mm. Is what I will say is like as the guideline, um, because. You know, I think that was the hardest thing for me to navigate growing up, like when to tell the girls in which I was dating, like I was trans. Because essentially, you know, a lot of it's just conversation and we're getting to know each other. But unless we're having consistent conversations about where her feelings were at and where I was, at, I didn't know when was the right time to, to tell her. So it's quite difficult. You literally just have to take it when you feel like, you know, there's the right time to mm. tell that person. So, you know, in some in some situations I told a girl maybe three weeks after knowing her sometimes it took me five months um all of which was before like sexual contact but I think it's 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 more about for me I from the trans perspective it's like I need to feel comfortable with you enough and that that comes from us not necessarily it's more like time spent and how you make me feel so you know I could be with someone and in two weeks they make me feel like I can tell them my whole life mm. and then cool then in two weeks you'll find out but then it might be with some other people it takes me five months or a year to feel like we get to that point where I disclose that to you um, I've obviously lost that now because being a public figure, essentially, quote unquote, you, you know, my information's on the internet, yeah. so I don't have to worry about that. But I think that cis people, or do not, not even cis people, people who are on the other end of receiving that information need to understand why it's taken that person so long to tell them because it's like we have to be comfortable. Yeah. I don't just want to walk around telling people that I'm trans. Oh, you have to know that it's safe yeah, as well yeah, to tell that person. Exactly. But and that takes some time. Do you know what I mean? And also, like, I used to use a lot of different references. Like I, I used to take a lot of like my gay friends around the girls in which I would date and see how they react to, to them because I was like, okay, if they're okay with gay guys, they might be okay with the idea of me being trans. And that was kind of like an indicator of whether or not I could tell this person. Some of the girls in which I dated, I, I never got around to telling because, you know, they made certain comments about like, they'd be like, oh, you know, that's homophobic comments essentially. And I'd be like, I don't... I, you know, what's she going to think about me if I turn around and tell her I'm trans? Like, this is a whole different situation. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a bright answer. I just think it's about when you're comfortable, but, you know, without it going too far and yeah. without it becoming to a point where you're lying to that person. Like, I wouldn't be going to a girl's house and spending time with her family and having dinner and, her, you know, her not be aware. But, yeah, it's kind of, there's no pinpoint. Yeah. And I get asked this question a lot on social media from trans guys, like, oh, I'm dating someone, when do I tell them? Ultimately, my answer is whenever you feel comfortable with that person, but before you have any like sexual contact with that person. Yeah. I think that's the clear line. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I think that would make sense. Because I think after that point, if, you, if you're 
trying to go into like the sexual stages of things without that 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 kind of goes to like you referred to earlier like misleading information Mm. um and that should be for that person on the receiving side to decide whether or not they want to involve in sexual activities with you um but yeah it's a fine line yeah fine line yeah it's complicated all right the last question says my son is in secondary school and he has come out to me as gay I want to encourage him to live his best proud life, but I also don't want him to become a target for bullying. Is it oppressive if I suggest that he doesn't tell his school friends yet? I don't. Mm. It's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. I almost understand that. Like you know, yeah. I. I it's so, well, ideally you'd want to change the school friends and change the the setting that you're sending your child into every day to make yeah. it a non-scary homophobic place but because you can't do that it must be really hard to let your little baby go knowing that potentially they're going to go out yeah. and go i'm gay and everyone's going to go try and kick their head in yeah i think it's about making sure that they're safe like if you mm-hmm. if as a parent you can visibly see that your child is going to be like both like mentally and physically unsafe I think instead of telling them to not come out I think it would be maybe not easier but more important to have a conversation with the school Mm. and to kind of go in behind the scenes almost and be like look my child is potentially going to be vulnerable here like we need to make sure that they're safe that they feel supported like what Mm. really kind of investigate what ways it could if it goes really bad how the school can protect the Mm. child or if you don't think the school's gonna be able to protect them look at other resources like just try and make like a nice little bubble for them so that whatever way it goes they're protected because i think it's sometimes more damaging to kind of tell your child to not come out especially at that age where you just want to yeah, yeah. I wonder if you're at like a Catholic school or something, whether that would be, mm. you know, there's certain, maybe certain religious schools and stuff that would, there's certain schools that would be well on board mm. to be able to do whatever they could to protect and include every child that goes there. But there might be some barriers if there is religion or, or, or whatever. Um, but I guess that's such a good point that you made, which is like, make your child feel safe and loved at home. Yeah. Um, and as long as they've got that and as long as they, you know, that that is a, a very powerful thing to mm. know that even if you are yeah. having a horrible time outside, you have this place of safety. And mm-hmm. That was literally like my experience. I went to an all-girls school that was Catholic. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, not the best place for me to be. But I think knowing that my mum put no restrictions on like how I was going to tell people or like portray myself to the world. But I always knew that my safe bunker was at home and mm. I knew that I could have that discussion with my mum like anything I could I could have a shit day outside and go home and cry like cry myself to sleep with my mum and I'd be okay yeah um and I think that that was priceless like just knowing that okay the world might be spiky and I might have problems there but when I go home I'm loved I'm deserving I'm celebrated for who I am do you know what I mean yeah so I think that yeah as a as a as a parent or you know I someone who's taken care of a, or interacts with a young person um, in which you think is going to be more, more vulnerable for whatever reasons. I think it's about letting them know that, okay, yeah, outside might be scary, but here is safe. Yeah. And that's all you can do because you can't, you can't bubble wrap. No. You know, no. you can try to make every environment safer and do like risk assessments around what should be done um, mm. and have conversations with people to gauge what's the best thing to do. But like, 
there's too many possibilities and stopping that child from expressing themselves is not the answer to that. Yeah. No one should have to stop being who they are to make to make everybody else feel okay. Yeah. No. And I guess the more, you know, the more young people that are open and safe to come out in schools, you know, the more education we've got for other young people to go, oh, this person is normal and they've been in my class for years and they're trans and or, or gay or whatever. Like maybe that will go some way to reducing homophobia and transphobia and, and, and all of that stuff. I think that, you know, homophobia is something that we really need to think about and transphobia and all of that before we have children. I think that if you hold any of those type of views, you genuinely should not have children mm. because there is always a risk that your child, well, not risk, but you know yeah, what I mean? There is your child, yeah. it could, there, you have no idea what what, 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 how they're mm-hmm. going to turn out. And if you are not ready to handle and support and be there in a meaningful and loving way for your child, regardless of how they identify or who they choose to love, then you, you're you not capable of being a parent. You're mm. just not. Um, and I think the other thing that I is incredibly important, a lot of people would have watched the Gabriel... Um, is it Fernandez or Hernandez? I'm not sure because mm. I haven't got it written in front of me. Trials on Netflix, oh, which yeah. is just the most awful um, documentary about child abuse um, and about a boy who was tortured, neglected and murdered by his mum and her partner. And essentially it, it sounds, it turns out from the trials that it looked like they believed he was gay and they want, you know, they were from um, Mexico. Oh no. Uh, yeah. I think they were from a Mexican background with quite a lot of gang involvement and things like that. And um, they wanted to beat the gayness out of him basically. And then right at the end of that documentary, there is almost an incredible, so the parallels were just unbelievable pretty much same age same area same levels of neglect and abuse from a mother's boyfriend there was another child Anthony Avalos who also lost his life he came out to his mum his stepdad overheard and um beat him to death or or, or kept put dropping putting him on his head over and over again held him by his feet and kept hitting him on his head over and over again again because he said that he liked boys um and I think, it, you know, for, for my listeners who are women and who are dating men, um, we know that that's where homophobia is most likely to come from and transphobia. I, it is so important not to invite these men into your life if you have children. You know, the stepfathers are a potential risk anyway, not all stepfathers. But if we look through serious case reviews around child abuse and, and death, serious case reviews, um in such a high percentage of them stepfathers are a feature mm. um so like not some stepfathers are amazing obviously but they are a potential risk factor and if you are bringing somebody into your life i think one of the most important things to do at the beginning is find out about their values mm. if you're dating someone i do it really early on i want to know how they voted did they vote brexit do they like jeremy corbyn um <laughs> And, and are you, you know, what yeah. do you think about these things? Are, are you okay with, um, do you have any homophobia, racism, any of this stuff? Because if you do, I can't, it's done from mm. right now. Like, mm. and I think we should all think about that. And, and, and actually you might think, oh, I'm not gay. Doesn't matter if my boyfriend's slightly homophobic. I'm a lot of men are, yeah, it does matter. 
because he could potentially uh, pose a real serious risk to your children mm. um, if you have them. And also if he becomes the father to your children in the future and you have a trans, gay, non-binary, what is that going to look like for mm. your child? So I just think it's something really that people need to think about mm. um, before getting into relationships. Mm-hmm. It affects us all. I think, yeah, it's about like stepping back and understanding as well, like, a lot of kind of the viewpoints in which is like homophobia, transphobia is, is socialized, like it's kind of built into us. And I think that it's, it takes a real strong person to look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, like some of my viewpoints aren't okay and addressing them because there are some people like I have friends that, you know, to some extent are not transphobic, but they just don't understand it. And by me having conversations with them, they're like, oh, okay, like they get it and they understand in what they are saying is wrong when they do something wrong. But again, it comes from like analysing that, educating yourself, like you said earlier, um, and just, yeah, stepping up, just being honest, having a real honest conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's like we shouldn't necessarily be cancelling people for being... If someone is like a homophobic activist, then, yeah, I think we need to like cancel them a bit. But um, (laughs) like if someone is just, you know... See some learning. Yeah, if someone's saying stupid things because you can quite clearly tell that they just don't get it, Mm. I think we should be aiming to educate people, but you can't fight continuously. And I think that if you try and educate and they're just still not getting it, then you can't really have those people in your life, whether you're cis, whatever. Um, Because, yeah, cunts. Um, and on that note, <laughs> that's a perfect way to end, isn't it? <laughs> We've come to the end. I've, I have learned a lot. I'm not going to lie. I still might get a bit confused about some things in the future because I do think it's quite complex and it's so yeah. important to be kind to people and to be to do things right. And mm-hmm. so I think it's a challenge. But thank mm. you. I think you were both articulate and eloquent and helped me to learn. And I think a lot of my listeners mm-hmm. many of them will have already been on the page already but i think hopefully this will be a, 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 a good podcast do you guys feel all right at the end of it, i haven't offended you or upset you absolutely not you've done oh, really well thanks yes. no seriously yeah very was, real yeah like I a very real it. honest chat yeah, that's one of the good. things that we kind of strive for like we we kind of had enough of the surface level kind of conversation because there's no for me there's not much change made in that it's the real answers mm. the real questions sorry that people want the answers to that will make the real difference rather than giving this sugar-coated version of what it is to be trans or non-binary mm-hmm. or yeah. you know part of queer community or lgbt plus community so well thank yeah, you you've done a great job thank, thank, thank you for both just being here and being brilliant so, so lots and lots of love mm-hmm.